Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Politics without the soap opera. With unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our liberties once again. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back in the house today, Friday. It is December 17th. It's the end of the week. And unfortunately for us, it is the end of the year. Yes, I know I could hear the groaning. I feel the same way. Um, typically, you'd be happy if you get a two-week vacation. But I will tell you, I will be working um, you could catch my columns at theblaze.com. Just click on my name, and you'll see the chronology. I will be writing almost every day, maybe except for just you know Friday, Christmas Eve, or whatever. You know when everyone's off. Um, I you could catch me on Twitter at rm conservative until they kick me off, and then I will be posting in lieu of the shows because we don't have production teams. But I feel there's too much going on. I'm not going to let you down. I will be posting on Rumble. It's Hurwitz Citizen Sanctuary is where to find me, Hurwitz Citizen Sanctuary. Um, That is where I will be posting five, seven-minute videos as often as I can to stay in touch. Um, Look, I'm I'm not happy about it either. We're at a crossroads. You know, typically things wind down before Christmas, but things are – we're at a crossroads. We're at a crossroads in terms of the liberty, the COVID fascism. Are we going to – successfully win in these legislative sessions in the red states and crush this or not we're at a crossroads in the bioweapon and the virus where it appears that god is somehow we don't deserve it but this is almost the perfect thing we were wondering how could we get out of this feedback loop of constantly making the virus worse from this uh, terrible leaky bioweapon of a shot But Omicron almost looks like it is the solution. There's a lot of data um, all over the world, Europe, U.S., South Africa, that it is almost like 90% less virulent than than the current iteration. It cannot come quickly enough. We just pray to God that as it spreads more, the the vaccine doesn't create ADE with that. Um, If it does, it looks like this time around it would be more the vaccinated than the unvaccinated who would get hosed by it. Um, so there's a lot on that. Um, look, if you want to sum up the year, the biggest story of the year really is the war on treatment. Because the war on treatment is not just a war on treatment. It embodies our freedoms. The ultimate freedom is the right to life. And they have taken that away from us by foisting a virus upon us, by enhancing it with a bioweapon, and then crushing our ability to, to, to treat it the remdesivir, the juxtaposition to what they treated it with, to what they blocked. That is really the story of the year. So in in honor of that, we will have Dr. Tess Laurie from London on. She is really one of the ones that have been dealing with the ivermectin research more than anyone. And like we said, it's not just ivermectin. It's emblematic of the fact that anything that works and doesn't empower and enrich the big pharma cartel and the politicians who represent them will be 
um, stifled. So COVID could go away tomorrow, which hopefully Omicron will do that for us after it circulates mildly. But we will have this problem of medical freedom for months and years to come. And that's something that I hope to build upon as an agenda item next year. The immediate things we have to be ready for, the state legislative fights, the um, primaries. So we're going to get into that. Our first sponsor today, iTarget Pro. It's still You still have time for free shipping if you go to iTargetPro.com, offer code CR, to get yourself or your friend of yours, a relative, a Christmas present, a laser bullet to put in your gun. They give you a board, download an app, and you could have target practice very accurate in the really in the, the comfort of your home. You save hundreds of dollars on ammo, um, sight alignment, trigger function, reaction speed. You could sharpen almost all of the skills with dry fire practice. This just makes the dry fire pr- practice fun. Again, 10% off, free shipping, offer code CR. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. So there, there's a lot of stories. There's a concern about Pfizer has concern that refugees might sue them. It's the funniest thing. We don't have a say, but there's a Reuters argue, article on that. Um, you have hit pieces out on J&J. The FDA is now recommending, you know, not really to use them if you don't have to. Uh, hit pieces on the safety of Moderna. But Pfizer always comes away unscathed. Clearly, they're planting it. They're thinning the herd. Um, folks, what's the difference between drug cartels and government? Drug cartels don't force your kids to take their poison. Um, There's a lot going on. There's a lot of data on Omicron. Um, It's all the vaccinated doing it. They can't have it both ways. They can't say, oh, my gosh, Omicron's going to kill us. Oh, my gosh, you need to get a shot. Because clearly they're all, almost everyone getting it, you're two and a half times more likely to get it if you have the shots. Now, we would argue it's a good thing for everyone. It's mild. The evidence is it's mild both in the vaccinated and unvaccinated, except it's the vaccinated getting it and spreading it more. So I believe it's not a problem. It's perhaps going to be the solution, almost like a God-made – well, it's not God-made. It's man-made, but, but maybe God foiled their plans, and it's going to wind up being a de facto vaccine. But if you are worried about it, you have an obligation to ban the vaccine. Think about it. If you take their words, you know, Fauci's like, man, we're going to have a terrible problem. So you have to ban the vaccine. You can't have it both ways. It's like saying we need to ramp down productivity because it's global warming, but then say the same thing when there's global cooling. Right. Well, you, you know, it's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. Um, by the way, I predict two things. Number one, if it turns out this way, they're going to give the vaccine credit and say, look, the vaccine spread the milder variant. And I predict another thing, too. Right now, they basically admit that the shots wear off and you need to get a booster. So they get to have it both ways. I predict they will eventually admit that if eventually it goes ADE and it goes negative unless you get get a booster. So that's the way they're going to scare people into the booster by admitting that we were right all along. There's a lot of news on all-cause mortality. I, I, I really did. I, I, I really like yesterday's show, December 16th. If you haven't heard it yet, that is uh, Thursday's show where I really gave you a full picture of what has happened all year. And again, the full picture of what has happened all year is that they created a vaccine that likely killed several hundred thousand people. 
and it also created an enhanced virus that is pure hell. It is pure hell. I, I pray to God that within days we're done with Delta. But in case we're not, or in case Omicron winds up suffering from the same vaccine-mediated enhancement, you guys really have to get a hold of treatment. And, and, and remember, they could release other stuff on us, and, and we know they're working on it, whether it's other SARS-CoV-2 variations and whether it's smallpox. Um, I got a plug, 7cells.com, offer code Daniel. They have a treatment package. So you could buy nitazoxanide separately. You could buy ivermectin separately. They have a package deal. With my offer code, it winds up being $200. And look, I get it. I get it. You know, Ideally, insurance should cover. Ideally, we shouldn't have to be doing this. But this is the only place you can get this and get a prescription preemptively. Ivermectin, nitazoxanide, um, azithromycin, that's a Z-pack antibiotic, and Medrol, that's the brand name for methylprednisolone, that is by far the best steroid if you start running into pulmonary issues. Um, <clears throat> let me just try to briefly give a summation of the hours worth of conversations I've had with Dr. Lynn Finn, Dr. Ryan Cole, Dr. Eric Henson, um, of just the latest of what we're seeing. And again, we could be days away from this being over with. Pray. But basically, what, what we know what this enhanced virus does, it replicates like crazy the aggressiveness and then the duration. So sometimes, typically, if you didn't have – if you were able to avoid much of anything for the first few days, well, that means that you have less viral replication. You defeated the virus, so you shouldn't really get much blood clotting or in inflammation, okay, and you're good to go. What we know now is that, not with everyone, a lot of people that is still true, but I want to make sure we keep as many people and everyone out of the hospital and leave no man behind. And in the worst cases, what we've seen is that if someone takes ivermectin for five days, again, previously that would have been ironproof. Now you need higher dose, longer, and several other adjuncts. Um, and, and, and the seven cells kit really speaks to this. I didn't even – at first, I wasn't so into promoting their kit because I was like, yeah, you know, you, you could get um, azithromycin for cheaper. But then, you know, a lot of people really can't get a doctor to prescribe, so it's not so cost-effective to do it through their cash-based when you can get, you know, good RX or insurance is dirt cheap. The problem is if you can't get a prescription, here, here's what we're finding with some people. It, 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 it replicates so much that after day – Day five, you're like, oh, this is awesome. Stop taking ivermectin. Day seven, eight, there's something that happens here where it keeps replicating for a few more days, unlike the previous thing, and it spawns microclotting. You might not see it, but it's happening. What we now know is that this is more than a pneumonia, more than a pulmonary inflammation. It, that That's the uh, effect, but the cause it is a blood disorder. The main thing you have to assume that you will get microclotting on day seven, eight. That's why you need the ivermectin for 10 days. You need it in your bloodstream. And again, I'm not giving medical advice. I'm giving over the conversations I've had. Do your own research. Um, 
the conversations I've had with Dr. Cole, Dr. Henson, and Dr. Finn, the people that are at the cutting edge, not just of the research, but clinically what they are seeing, what they're investigating. And what this has done is it, it comes back around and could screw you up. More the Ivermectin's um, efficacy on the viral side of this is not nearly as effective as it was before. That's why I recommend the nidazoxanide together. I don't have enough of a sample size to know that it works, but we know it worked with the gamma in Brazil, which was very aggressive. But what we do know is it has a mechanism that um, the virus latches onto your CD147 receptor. It's a receptor in the blood cells, and that's what causes the microclotting. So even if you don't get the full clotting that you'll see on a CT scan, you're getting the microclotting. And that is what's causing your blood oxygen level to drop day seven, day eight. So you got to be taking, you got to have ivermectin in your system on day seven, day eight. You might tell me, Daniel, I did it five days, never had a problem. Awesome for you. The majority will not have a problem, but a minority will, and we want to save those people as well. We want to have a sure thing to save people from this damn bioweapon that they created. Vanden Bosch warned that there is a, that we would have a super infection, a super infection we have. And that is what we have on our hands as we speak. Even as Omicron starts to take over, but the bad cases are Delta. And Delta was was prone to enhancement. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about this before I ever guest. Our next sponsor, look, if we don't succeed next year in, in reclaiming in America, you might have to go to Panama. Panama is a place increasingly Americans are going to retire free, um, not free health care, but just $2,600 a year. You could live on $24,000. It's the number one wealth haven, 0% income tax. Go to buypanamanow.com slash conservative. Download the free American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama. Find out why so many people are investing in Panama's Pacific Riviera today. That is buypanamanow.com slash conservative. So anyway, what we're finding is that there's the micro-clotting. So you want to make sure you have as many things up front. You're on the aspirin for several weeks. You have the nitazoxanide with the ivermectin, and the nitazoxanide could be for five days, ivermectin for 10 days. Another thing that they are telling me, there's something called nitokinase or nitokinase. I'm probably not pronouncing it right. It is a natural supplement, okay? Um, and it is very cheap. It is still available on Amazon. It is a natural supplement, um, nitokinase. It is, or nitokinase, N as in Nancy, N-A-T-T-O-K-I-N-A-S-E, natokinase. It is a very broad-spectrum anticoagulant that deals with all the blood disorders, Um Again, I will just tell – I'm not telling you what to do, but some of these guys, what they've put people on is had them um, on this for, you know, at least, you know, a few days into it along with the aspirin. So really um, what, 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 what I've been told is they've had patients that their blood oxygen levels started dropping to the low 90s to 90, and they gave them this, and it stopped. I'd be like, well – Daniel, what does that have to do with pulmonary inflammation? Well, that's the invisible hand behind it. It's the microclotting doing it. They think 
at its core, day six, seven, eight, this becomes more of a hematological disorder than a respiratory virus. So it's almost like phase two, okay? Um, again, do your own research, but there's a lot of very, very, you know, you go back the last couple of years, really good literature on how broad spectrum is over the counter, over the counter, like 10 bucks on Amazon. I believe you t they, they, they take one 500 milligrams or 600 milligrams, whatever it is. Um, I, I got one for myself. Um, and then the other thing is to ensure that let's say you get an insane viral load of this and you never know if you do. And, and, you know, you have a breakthrough, the protocol. You're one of those that, man, your, your, your blood oxygen level seems to be dropping despite everything. Now, I've never heard of anyone who had 10 days, who was still taking ivermectin on day seven and eight, and had the nitazoxanide, and was doing the nasal spray, had the aspirin. I haven't heard of it, but there probably are a few, and we want to be as certain as possible. If you get this, you have the methylprednisolone. That is the steroid, Okay. And that is the best of the three, prednisone, dexamethasone, methylpred. Um, this is the best cutting-edge research. Um, you have it on the recommendation. Ryan Cole told me privately, you start getting coughing, any sign of it. And told now we've been very conservative, which you want to be generally. This thing has a potential to screw so many people up. Um, again, this is what he recommends. I'm not giving, I'm not giving, telling you what to do. I'm telling you a private conversation I had with him. First sign of trouble, day five, to start taking methylpred. Again, this is, I am just giving you, I'm trying to get the most, I, this thing has so many ways it Fs you up. If you would listen to Ryan's le lecture, you would understand how evil these people were when they designed this. This is not natural in any way. Plus, it had a more aggressive ADE, as, as Vandenbosch warned, from the vaccine. They really screwed us over. There are so many people in the audience here, relatives that are in the grave that had 20, 30 years left on their life, that did not die last year, but did die this year once we had the vaccine-mediated enhancement. It is terrible. That is the story of this year. And I'm going to end it by making sure you have the best um, up-to-date treatment. Okay, a lot of people do all that. They forget one important ingredient. It's not on the FLCC protocol, but it probably should be in my opinion, and that is azithromycin. So, again, generally speaking, you do this, you shouldn't have a problem. But there's the antiviral bucket. We dealt with that. There's the anti-inflammatory bucket. We dealt with that. Um, ivermectin has that. Nitazoxanide really is also anti-inflammatory, too. And you got all the anti-inflammatories we have. Um, we have m many more anti-inflammatories than we have um, even uh, antivirals. So we have the topical steroid, the nebulized budesonide, the systemic one, either methylpred or prednisone. Um, methylpred's probably even better. We have the black seed oil. We have the turmeric. We have, there's artemisinin. There's all sorts of things. There's obviously the NAC, the NAC. That are that have this, um, you know. Also, they're into phenofibrate again. That you would have to have a doctor um, prescribe that if you know to drain the lungs. It's very good at that if you're you're getting some of that. But again, if you do every all this, you should avoid trouble that you would need to drain the lungs because you shouldn't really be getting that um, if you, if you follow this. There's one more bucket that seems to get some people, 
And again, I don't know if they took 10-day ivermectin, but certainly five-day. And, and we just had a listener to the show have this, and she was pretty young, too. It surprised me, although she did seem to have uh, certain conditions that made her prone to bacterial pneumonia. Okay, the virus is gone. You defeated the virus. Uh, Dr. Henson and, and Cole were very certain about this. They've seen this, that, again, around that day eight, you have post-viral bacterial pneumonia. This is the stupid criminal thing about these doctors not even prescribing antibiotics. It's a virus! What would all antibiotics work? Now, look, Zelenko felt at day one that azithromycin has certain antiviral and anti-inflammatory qualities, but even if it totally does not, but one thing it is is, is, it is a very good antibiotic, okay? And it's, an, it's a straight shot to foreclose bacterial pneumonia. A lot of people are coming around. This is the second time I've heard of this. They did everything right. They seem to defeat it, and they get bacterial pneumonia on day eight. Now, bacterial pneumonia is not nearly as bad as the blood clotting-induced cytokine storm pulmonary hell from COVID pneumonia, like the, what we call COVID pneumonia. Um, but it is, you know, it will drive a lot of people to the ER. It's very treatable. They'll give them... You know, any competent ER will give them um, uh, IV uh, antibiotics, fluids. That that should take care of it, as it always does, except for the people at the end of their life. Usually you don't die of bacterial pneumonia, um, but it's not good. You don't want it. So that's the Z-Pack. So this is seven cells um, thing. And I will tell you, I know it's a lot of money, but they've tried. Tim, the general manager, he's actually gotten in trouble because he's tried to do so many freebies. Um, they've tried to reduce the cost of shipping. You have to understand it goes up this time of year. Tim has really gone all out for for us, um, and and this is this is it. So so look, you know, I'm not saying everyone's going to need this. I don't know, Daniel. Do I need all of it? I don't. I, I I'm just telling you what I know is the best thing to foreclose every loophole that we find this bioweapon is exploiting in people. You will not hear this 15-minute presentation I just gave you. You will not hear that from anyone else on broadcast. Um, that is the most up-to-date research. God save us that in the next few days, Omicron boxes out Delta, and it doesn't get ADE, and it is the ultimate solution. So that's what it is. But I want to get to our guest. Our, uh, this segment is sponsored by Moink, the tastiest, healthiest American organic, natural, um, grown meat, fish, and poultry. Um, they have the best sizz sizzling steaks. You order a Moink box, you get $100, $200 worth um, for a much cheaper price. And if you sign up today at moinkbox.com conservative, you will get a year round of ground beef for free with your orders. Then pick what meats you want in your box that you'll obviously pay for. And you could change it around each month. You should cancel every time. Find out why so many people have gotten moinked and oinked with the most patriotic anti-food cartel uh, movement that you can get. Um, and, and we're probably going to get into this more next year. You know, we talk about big pharma. We'll get into big food. Um, you know, it seems like health has really taken off. So again, join the moink movement today. M O I N K box. Moinkbox.com slash conservative. That's moinkbox.com slash conservative. Now, before we get to our special guest today, I just want to finish up one thought 
from our opener here. Now that you guys understand the latest evidence on the path, you know, the pathogen, the way it progresses, this problem of the microclotting on day seven, eight that we're seeing, you could now appreciate how dangerous the spike protein is. Blood clotting is not a rare side effect. It is literally what it does. It's it's more, at least later on, a hematological issue than it e is even a pulmonary issue, although that's what it causes in the end. But that's what it is. So, Except here, actually, it goes through your natural defenses. Maybe you'll do away with it. We have therapeutics, and eventually you clear it. Here, your body is producing an unknown number of spikes in an unknown number of places <clears throat> for an unknown number of times possibly according to one study as much as 15 months that's why it is so dangerous if you would de-dimer you know a good sample of people that got the shots I, I i don't i fear god what we would actually find um and that is what is so concerning but i wanted you guys to appreciate that thought process now that you're fully aware of what the pathogen itself does and why it's so problematic especially with the um the what i believe is the ade Pfizer enhanced version of Delta. Um, we pray to God that obviously, uh, you know, this new one stays mild and overtakes it, but we'll see what happens. I do want to get to our guest. Um, obviously, as we close out the year here, uh, to me, the biggest story from a public policy standpoint, when we talk about the infringement upon our liberties, we could talk about the lockdowns, the control, the mandates, but really the most onerous is the war on treatment because that's the right to life and what 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 if it's not just ivermectin it's not just um you know covid that what we now know is that anything let's say it's cancer treatment and there's promising repurposed drugs and there actually are ironically very much overlapping with hydroxy nitazoxanide ivermectin there's a lot of literature on possible um, actions against certain types of cancer, you know that we'll never see the light of day, that we'll never be advanced, you'll never have... They're like, well, I don't like the sample size. Okay, but you have good signals on it. Why don't you fund the research? Well, no, they're not going to do it because guess what? If they ever find something positive, you know what's going to happen. It's going to put them out of business. Uh, they're going to lose their control. They're going to lose their power. This is something that needs to be dealt with, the irremediable corruption in medical, academic, literature, research, um, this is a big problem. So someone who's at the forefront of this when it comes to ivermectin in particular and has a lot of important news to share with us, Dr. Tess Laurie, she's both an MD and PhD. She's the director of the Evidence-Based Medicine Consultancy. Um, more recently, she's founded the British Ivermectin Recommendation Development Initiative. It's called BIRD. Uh, she is a co-founder of the New World Council for Health, very much rooted in academic health, medical uh, research, researching drugs, um, which stands at the core of the biggest story of COVID, which is obviously uh, the, the lack of initiative and downright censorship of treatment at a time that even by their own admission, the vaccines are not, you know, cutting it even on the existing variant why wouldn't you look into this why 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 when you look at um just in the united states alone eight hundred thousand covid deaths what is going on so with us from england is dr laurie thanks so much for joining us today 
Thanks very much, Daniel. It's really great to be here, and I'm really great, grateful for the opportunity to speak with you. Well, I'm grateful for the connection. I've really wanted to get a hold of you for a while. Um, I love giving our audience just the the, the best clinical uh, information, the best research uh, information, so they can make an informed consent on all these uh, decisions. Uh, recently, you've been in the news a lot. I first read the story in RFK's uh, RFK Jr.'s new book, The Real Fauci, um, that illuminates, I think, specifically what everyone suspects in general is going on with this cold and then hot war against ivermectin. And now really, honestly, it's aspirin, it's phenofibrate, it's the betadine solution. I mean, there's nothing they're not attacking here. Um, they're attacking the androgen blockers. The, Dr. Andrew Hill um, was paid, was was doing research, helping you out on your team, looking out uh, for the ivermectin research, seemed to be very supportive of ivermectin, and then suddenly in January uh, flipped and put out an unfavorable study. Turns out his institu institution, University of Liverpool, got a $40 million grant from Unitaid, which is an umbrella under the WHO. Uh, there, um, the, the former or the chair of the executive board of Unitaid is the former French health minister, Marisol Terrain. She seemed to be involved in inaugurating the Wuhan Institute of Virology's level four biosafety laboratory a couple of years ago. Seems to all come together. Um, and you taped a Zoom call with him where he basically said he's in a sticky situation. It's complicated. You called him out. Could you give us a little bit of the background on the Dr. Andrew Hill story? Yes, thanks. Yeah, because there's a few uh, inaccuracies in what you've just said oh, uh, sure. in terms of the history. And it's not your fault. I think it's just because, uh, you know, people have been been putting joining threads together and, and uh, there's a lot out there in the media that's not actually quite true. Um, so... Um, Andrew Hill and I only met in the first week of January. We were not working together. Mm. Um, we, uh, I was uh, doing, I did a, a rapid systematic review just for free, really just to try and help move the story uh, to, to really to find out whether Ivermectin worked or not. Um, and, um, and Andrew Hill was commissioned by Unitaid and World Health Organization um, to prepare a systematic review on, on ivermectin. So I only discovered that after um, that, you know, that his review was almost complete after I had done mine. And um, in actual fact, um, we corresponded a bit. I sent him my spreadsheets and everything around about the 6th of January and, um, and answered lots of questions he had about, um, you know, I gave him some assistance. And then we agreed, we were both sort of wanting the same thing. We both had come to the same conclusion um, that ivermectin could actually make a big difference. And we agreed, um, he agreed to come on board and we to do a review together and it would be a Cochrane review. Now Cochrane is, you know, it's just a, it's a type of review. Um, it's an organization that has a specific methodology that they use in their reviewing. So. Um, the plan was that we would do this rapid review together and um, and not just him and me. We had, you know, I had pulled together the, the team, which is now the Bryant uh, team, uh, the, uh, the, re the reviewers who wrote the Bryant um, review. Uh, I was a co-author on that. So, um, so we submitted a protocol to Cochrane 
for to do a rapid review together, and Andrew Hill was one of the authors on the list. He hadn't done a Cochrane review before, but you know the author team itself was very strong. We'd done more than 120 Cochrane reviews between us, so um, so he came on board. And then in the meantime, I said, "Please, could you send me the review that you've been working on?" And it turned out he'd submitted it. Um, and it was up uh, as a pre, he said he put it on a preprint server, which I think was Research Square, uh, but it wasn't up yet. And I read it on the weekend of the 17th of Jan, 16th, 17th, and I contacted him and I said, This review is going to do immeasurable harm. Please retract it. Um, and uh, because it was just on a preprint anyway. So, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a yep. good review at all. It was, in my opinion. And, and could you um, briefly describe what it said? Well, um, I don't have it up in front of me, but the the um, there was there were several really strange things about it. Um, the the one was that um, there was a very long author list, um, and the author list included the authors of the studies um, that they had reviewed, which is quite unusual, really, because as a reviewer, you know, the list of authors reviewing papers tend usually are independent of the individual studies because obviously it's you know it would it would suggest bias if you've got all the authors who have participated in the studies and most of those studies were showing favorable outcomes um, so um, usually the review team is independent um, or they recuse themselves you know there'll be a thing saying we've been you know we we contributed to, we conducted a study and we recused ourselves when that study was was assessed um, so um, so that was strange. Um, and then um, and there was no conflicts of interest statement um, that I that I recall. But also the primary outcome was listed last. So the primary outcomes of was was um, was uh, uh, deaths, mortality. And that was 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 last. And there were all the, the lesser outcomes reported first. Um, but what was striking was that, you know, there was a 75 percent reduction in deaths. Um, and uh, and there, and at each point in the in the paper, there was a, a, a statement. Then, whenever there was something positive, there was a statement sort of undermining the the, the positive statement. So the finding, and in the conclusions, finally, it said um, that um, there was a reduction in deaths, but more large trials were needed before the regulators could look at it something to that effect so there was a mismatch to me between his findings and his conclusions but his methodology was not sound um, and um, there was also a mismatch between what we'd been discussing about working together and actually that we agreed with one another that Avamation needed to be approved now um, so, so you, you could know, confirm you know, that he believed prior to to posting this on the on the pre-printed server, um, he believed that it was effective based on the existing studies out there. Yes, but it's not just my um, you know my word for it because he had tweeted quite now that you know once I knew once I met him I found that he had tweeted before even in December he had tweeted to say that. You know the evidence was looking really good for ivermectin, and even if uh, you know there was, uh, he made a statement about um, about uh, even if there were some some uh, biases, it wouldn't swing it you know away away from ivermectin. And even um, and even 
after our Zoom, he had a, a presentation in South Africa where um, he presented his evidence on ivermectin. And during the question and answer session, he said uh, he was asked if if he would um, if he, if one if a family member needed ivermectin, would he would he want them to get it? And he said if his brother was uh, was sick, his brother was unfit, and so on. And um, and he would, uh, in his opinion, of course, and um, and uh, he would um, he would want his brother to get ivermectin. Got, got it. So so you're saying it, w- it was very clear, and I, and and we have the tweets, and and Dr. Corey has been publicizing that. Um, where he, he, I mean, he testified before the NIH as well at the time in support of it, and he was very supportive of it. Uh, we we know that we know that we had dozens of studies that seemed to show, like you said, significant uh, reduced mortality. And then I have it up here in front of me, um, his his uh, study. So all of a sudden, like you're you're like you know you're in the foxhole with him. You, you said you just had met him, and like all right, we're on the same side, fine. You go, you go online, and here's what you see. Um, the primary meta-analysis was carried out by excluding studies at high risk of bias. So that means he, he selectively um, – remember, this is a meta-analysis for our audience. It's a study of the studies. So he excluded ones that he said have a high risk of bias. And what he came out with was ivermectin did not show a statistically significant effect on survival. Boom. That's the money line. Now, he does say afterwards – Ivermectin displayed a borderline significant effect on duration of hospitalization in comparison with standard of care. Um, there was no significant effect of ivermectin on time to clinical recovery. So you put that together, and that's like, whoa, that's a very different story than what all the studies seem to be reporting. Did I get that right? Um, it's Well, are you talking about the, the latest version of his review? Because obviously there was the, there was the preprint. Sure. Um, the preprint went up in January, and that's still up. Uh, Got it. So this is the the published one in July six. Yes, yeah. So then he changed his tune, um, but it's been a it's been a very curious process because um, uh, even when the Algazar study was um, mm-hmm. was uh, questioned, um, and and he was asked what happened if he removed the Algazar study, he said uh, it made no difference. But then as time went by it seemed like his opinion on that changed. And then he started saying, actually, it does make a difference. And and then, you know, and then he, um, they said they had to withdraw their published paper and change the findings. So uh, clearly he's been under a lot of pressure and his intuitive, his initial responses uh, seemed to be um, in one direction. And then after, to me, it seems like after a period of time that um, that is shifted. So based on your conversation with him at the time in January when you confronted him on that Zoom call, that's what's been passed around a lot in the U.S. media, or at least the media that's willing to cover it. And, you know, he – from I, I listened to the conversation. Uh, he doesn't appear to have ever refuted the facts that you were saying. Like, nah, you know what? The truth is, second look, I really don't think it works. No, he kind of seemed to indicate you're right, but – this is and, and 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 in fact he seemed to say that don't worry it's not going to undermine it it's only going to be six weeks and you're like well six weeks is certainly a lot of lives at fifteen thousand deaths a day and then obviously now we know the rest is history it didn't just delay it for six weeks to this day um we still don't have it uh anywhere near 
uh, being used. And in fact, it's being blocked almost everywhere. So what's your best sense from what he said and some of the information you found out later? What's your best sense about what happened? What what changed his mind? It would be like, you know, Pierre Corey one day coming in. I just use him because my audience is familiar with him here. One day just uh, saying, you know what? I think ivermectin kind of, it's kind of lousy. <laughs> like, huh? What happened there? I can't say, and I don't know what uh, changed his mind and what pressures were brought to bear on him, if any. Uh, he... Um, you know, I feel sorry for him that um, he has found himself in this tricky position. And I think there's still possibility that he might tell us what um, what the reason for for the tricky position is and was. Sure, sure. You know whether whether there was a, a conflict of interest there, because because what I what I find astounding is that I could forgive someone for suggesting, you know what, I don't like all your studies. I think it's too low powered or whatever. But if you see such positive signals from it, what you would do is then, okay, I don't want to jump into it, but I'm going to follow up with a big study. Could you talk a little bit about Oxford in their principal trial? They were testing out several therapeutics and. Ages ago, they promised to do ivermectin, and suddenly we heard this week an announcement that they said we're not doing it because we have supply issues, meaning that they don't have it's hard to get a hold of enough ivermectin for their supply sam their tri trial sample. And I'm thinking like just our seven cells pharmacy in Florida could in a minute supply them with it. So there's no way that is the obstacle there. It sounds like to me they don't want to find out the answer, even though, honestly, the way they designed it, it's three days of low dose against Delta probably wouldn't even do that much anyway. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I agree with you. And it's been such a peculiar journey with that principal trial, too. I mean, if you consider, of course, that Oxford has also, you know, uh, been developing the AstraZeneca vaccine so is uh, and, and has received huge funding from that. So they've got this huge investment on in in uh, in new treatments and and um, and drugs but uh but and then it comes to poor old ivermectin and you know they they um they tag it into the study and then they don't do a good job of it either so um originally when my rapid review report came out in early january shortly after that the principal trial announced that they would be adding ivermectin to the arm but it didn't get added and uh, then when our final review was published in the american journal of therapeutics which was the 21st of june a day or two later they again announced that they'd be adding ivermectin but this time they really did do it the funny thing was is that they used an old protocol so the protocol that they'd obviously drawn up in the first instance when they'd originally said they would add it so the protocol is dated in february and the dosing, of course, is all um, is all wrong. And of course, uh, the information supplied about ivermectin's its um, efficacy and safety, and all the trials that have been done, is all out of date. So you actually cannot give uh, informed consent sure. to to a person uh, participating because the information is all out of date. And we did raise this uh, issue with them. We wrote to the principal trial 
um, investigators and, and pointing out that the um, dosing schedule was inappropriate, that the, you know, the, the, the recruitment period uh, after um, a positive, well, after a diagnosis of COVID uh, was uh, far too long, 14 days. You know, you could be having very ill patients, ill, Ill people um, who were already needing substantial care. But also the standard of care, you know, was, wasn't there. So, you know, everyone knows, frontline doctors know, vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, and a whole pile of other stuff is necessary as part of the combination treatment. We don't just use a single drug sure. to treat. Especially stuff. with Delta. Yeah. So there was all of that. Plus, the other thing that was very, um, that was never answered was, um, you know, we raised questions about what was the vaccination status of the people that they were recruiting and were they stratifying their, their analysis according to vaccination status? And they never answered that. So we ended up uh, uh, rec uh, oh, um, requesting information on, on, about their uh, analysis plan. Um, and they ended up replying to us that um, the analysis plan was confidential, which is the strangest thing I've ever heard. Because obviously, you know, a, a clinical trial protocol is it's an interest to put it out there and let people look at it and say, this is what we're doing. You know, there's just the, the lack of transparency is actually quite shocking. And um, so it's just been a very, um, uh, I've had very little faith in that trial from the beginning that it would even show anything um, that would be of value. And uh, so now to hear that they have supply issues um, is just um, quite, kind of absurd. Uh, it, it, quite it, absurd. It really is. Because if I could get a hold of it, I'm sure Oxford could. Yes, and especially as there are, you know, there are many, I mean, they could have come to the British Ivermectin Recommendation Development Group and asked us, you know, where, where would be a good supplier, a good source. And in actual fact, there are many, um, there are many, you know, people in the country who are, who are trying to get, you know, who are accessing Ivermectin and getting their own supplies. So there's certainly no, no, it's not a good excuse. So let me ask you this, you know, the biggest thing when people in my audience go to their doctor, uh, you know, a standard doctor and, and say, well, look, there's over 60 studies, they'll say they're all garbage, they're all bad sample sizes, and even the ones that are good, so many had to be retracted. What would you say to that? Um, I would say that they should probably stop watching the news and reading the mainstream media. Um, because, um, because, because all of that information is, is disinformation. Um, there are a couple of, um, of studies that have been questioned, but as, uh, the, the best evidence comes from the systematic review, um, that we did, um, and, uh, and from the huge amounts of real world data. So to just be looking at this narrow, uh, to have this narrow focus on the, on the randomized control trials at this stage, when we're de dealing with a medicine that's already widely used for COVID, uh, is, um, is, is, is just ridiculous. Sure. Sure. And, and, and that's, again, yours is published in the, uh, American Journal of Therapeutics. Yes. Okay, so that's that's the you know it's again a full analysis of a bunch of studies and it's the preponderance of evidence. Like I tell people, you put that into um, you know uh, Uttar Pradesh and other places, and then also what to me what's shocking 
is this. I can understand that if you say, look, I don't, to me, it's not enough. I want a massive double-blinded randomized control trial. But then the problem, there's two problems with that. Number one is, it's not like they have anything better. I mean, they're they're desperate. I mean, the, the, the death rate in the hospitals has not gone down uh, 20 months into this, which is utterly insane. They don't want to follow up on 40 other things. They don't want to follow up on nitazoxanide, which really has a lot of very, um, very broad antiviral behind it, you know, even more so than ivermectin. It's really established an antiviral, not just antiparasitic uh, uh, profile, SARS, MERS, nothing. They don't want to follow up on it. And then we have people being turned around on ventilators after being in a coma for seven weeks here. And, you know, I'm very data-driven, but sometimes anecdotes are garbage. Sometimes they, they're even more powerful than data because sometimes it's so obvious, well, if it could do that, not everyone, but potentially if they don't have organ failure and it's just a cytokine storm and it shuts it off, maybe the blood clotting too, and, and they walk out of there, then how much more so if you would do it up front outpatient and not allow them to get, get into it? We have a lawyer here, here, Ralph Larigo, that has dealt with all the hospital cases he has now had a record that every single patient that he won in court in order to uh, give a five-day ivermectin course, and they actually had time to do it, and I have to give one caveat because of a recent case, there was no prior organ damage because it was already too late. You know, it can't reverse that. The guy, the woman or man, is literally home to this day. Why wouldn't you follow up on a study? But, Dr. Laurie, it doesn't look like they're in a rush to follow up with studies on this or any other repurposed drug? No, you know, I have to say, I don't know if you're familiar with the British pantomime, but uh, it's one of, it's these sort of Christmas shows where there's usually some character on stage that uh, that is deaf or blind or can't see something and the audience has to guide them. So, you know, they'll say, where is it? And then the audience will go, it's over there, it's over there. And the whole audience will be will be shouting and shrieking and pointing. They'll all be able to see hmm. where it is. But the person on the stage uh, can't see it. And it sometimes feels like that with ivermectin. You've got all these scientists and doctors and people, public testimonies around from people around the world saying, it's here. It's there. Yep. Let's use it. And and nobody's paying attention. And again, There's... it's not just ivermectin. I'm really ticked off at you, uh, you know, British. Uh, Oxford, you cannot imagine how many people Oxford has killed. Because of Oxford, we have this ridiculous protocol in American hospitals. I'm sure it's Europe as well. Six milligrams of dexamethasone. It's the wrong dose at the wrong time and the wrong steroid. It's methylpred, much higher dose, and should be done outpatient already. You know, when people are starting to get pulmonary, that that has has done so many people. I'm not saying it's killed people, but I mean just it's just a nothing. It doesn't cut it. And just because of one study, this is what I can't wrap my arms around, Doctor Laurie. How they're so strict on our things we want to push. But then you look at what they're pushing, and we're like, man, that, that must be a real hot catch. Let's look at it. And I want to get your comment on molnipiravir, a Merck's drug. That thing is such garbage. The FDA committed, admitted it's mutagenic, causes problems. We don't know anything. The second phase really showed it might have negative efficacy. Yeah, but, you know, we'll prove it anyway because Merck needs their money. And I'm watching one European country after another is now approving it. Yeah, it is very upsetting. In fact, the UK, I think, was the first European country to approve it, and they approved it on the back of interim results um, given by the farm company 
and um, you know, without peer review, uh, without uh, publication, and uh, and and as I say, ivermectin, we we've been writing to the to the MHRA for for the better part of this year, and they won't even entertain, you know, in, they won't even look at it. They just say that you know, there's there's insufficient evidence. It's it's truly remarkable and frustrating. And yeah, I, it's, I don't it's, know it's, how it's I don't terrible. know how how what more to do to draw the public's attention to these these terrible double standards. We're actually in the process of uh, a court a court process uh, requesting a judicial review, which is what uh, happens in the UK to to get the MHRA to look at ivermectin. So we'll get the courts to look at it. So, so this is what we're going through. Uh, we have a different process, you know, with, I have spoken with Ralph Lurigo before, and we have a different process in terms of if someone's in hospital and they're requesting ivermectin, there isn't a way, a court process where we can urgently get ivermectin for that person. Mm. It seems the only recourse is for that person to die and then for the family to then um, you know, lay a charge and get a lawyer and, and try and, but obviously that's a bit too late. Sure. I mean, here we actually have the opposite. We can't do it afterwards because they exempted them of all liability from the harms of what they do. This is more forcing them to affirmatively use something. So we have this problem with remdesivir now. All the people that died of kidney failure from it and liver toxicity, uh, there really is no way around that. Um, it's 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 a it's a terrible thing. I mean, the remdesivir story. I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, do do you have yes. that in the UK hospitals? Yes, we do, and it's also in our hospital protocols. So we have, you know, people going into hospital and and they're given remdesivir and put on ventilators, and and the 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 patient's family, you know, have to ask, please don't, uh, and uh, and they they're not always um, successful. Is there any non-dark, sinister explanation for the juxtaposition of the standard of evidence they use to approve remdesivir to the standard of evidence they're requiring but still not pursuing with ivermectin? I'm afraid not. Okay. I mean, I, th that's really what it's people just... need to understand. I can under, I mean, in a pandemic, it makes no sense to be that strict, especially with stuff that, you know, whether it works or not, it definitely is safe. And then you go to something that up front the NIH says causes liver toxicity and uh, um, renal failure, and you have to monitor ATL levels, you know, and then they're like, hey, we're going to use this like water at 3,000 a pop. I mean, I think that itself tells a story. Um, and then obviously you have the shots. Um, I wanted to get to this with you. Uh, earlier this week, I had on the show Dr. Robert Malone, and I asked him a, a question. I said, of all the safety signals we're seeing that are concerning about these shots, which one keeps you up the most at night? And he said the reproductive issues. I know you've done some research in, in this field, this part of the field, and you know, already in June you were raising concern about the urgency to, to stop this mass vaccination with a very flawed shot. What are your thoughts about the reproductive concerns and, and, and maybe some of the other concerns with the shot? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I just want to want to just say that my clinical background is in obstetrics, obstetrics mm. and gynecology, pregnancy and childbirth, and um, it's it's uh, it's 
just been extraordinary how these injections, these new experimental injections have been allowed to be administered to pregnant women. We never expose pregnant women to uh, any intervention that could be harmful, obviously, because of the implications for the baby. And we don't do clinical studies in pregnancy. So we only use things in pregnancy once they have been proven to be safe. With these injections, with any new drug, uh, it takes about 10 years, 7 to 10 years, to get a new drug proven to be safe and to market. So there's no way that no matter what assurances the pharmaceutical companies give us, that these can be assured to be safe in pregnancy. What what are your thoughts of, again, in your background with, with obstetrics, uh, the fact that we have, I mean, I know a lot of people in my life, so it's certainly very common, probably more common than many of the other things like myocarditis, that women have menstrual irregularities. I mean, just just rampant, not getting their periods for months, uh, postmenopausal bleeding. We had the University of Chicago solicited 5,000 women to to do an analysis of this, and they got 140,000 submissions. Um, what, what what are your thoughts about yes. that long term? What what does that signal? Yeah, I think it's very very serious. And uh, but I want to go back to pregnancy, if you don't mind, because sure. um, I think what we need to do is just. Uh, I think the statistics are distracting. What we need to do is actually apply some common sense here. So if we think about how these injections actually work, they're not normal types of vaccines. They are gene-based therapies, which means that they provide a recipe. It's a genetic code. It's a little string. It's actually like a recipe to make spike protein. This recipe doesn't stay in the shoulder muscle. Within a couple of hours or days or or depending, it circulates throughout the body and gives our cells the... um, the recipe to make spike protein, i.e. it turns our cells into little spike protein factories. Now, from the animal studies, and we we all know that the spike protein is what causes all the trouble with COVID in the first place, uh, causes all the inflammation. So uh, on the the face of it, it doesn't really sound like a great idea. The animal studies that Pfizer did, um, the the data that we have uh, from Japan shows that the contents of the uh, these injections concentrates in the liver, the bone marrow, the spleen, uh, and also in the ovaries. And um, we, what we don't have from those animal studies is do they concentrate in the placenta or in the or in the the, the fetus of the animal studies? And the reason we don't have we don't uh, have those that information is because the drug companies haven't shared that information. So we actually, there haven't been animal studies mm. that show whether the uh, whether the vaccine contents concentrates in the placenta or indeed whether it crosses to the fetus in an animal. So we don't even know if it does it happens in an animal. Why would we do it in humans without that information? Well, I'll answer your your question. I think Molnupiravir is very illuminating on this discussion because there we actually do know that it caused some issues um, with reproductive uh, systems in the rats 
and uh, they approved it anyway. And what's shocking is that and any, anyone could watch this online, not just the 10 members who voted no, but even the 13 who voted yes noted that. Now, they ultimately didn't approve it for pregnant women, but it is approved for childbearing aged women, I believe. Right, That was not eliminated. And that downright got approval. So anyone who thinks this is crazy talk, oh, they would never do this with the shots. I mean, look at the remdesivir story and look at the molnupiravir story, and particularly with the with the issues with um, you know reproductive issues. And we always knew this was a problem with that particular mechanism of action. Um, where do we where do we turn? Um, we got we're running out of time here. Could you just give us a sense? Do you believe this was something unique? This irremediable corruption. Uh, global corruption with uh, you know the whole the research what is funded what's not uh, if they don't like the answer to something they scuttle it if they do like the answer they they won't retract it and they'll leave it up even when it's refuted already um, is that unique to COVID or do you think this has been going on longer in the in other spheres of medical research and will continue to go on yes I think it's been going on a very long time and the, and the COVID uh, episode has just highlighted it because it's kind of brought it all to a head. We had at the World Council for meeting, General Assembly meeting on Monday, last Monday, we had Professor David Healy, and he was talking about the SSRI industry, you know, the antidepressant industry, uh, drug drug industry, and how all of those papers were ghostwritten and, uh, and that there's significant evidence to show that these uh, antidepressants, SSRIs, cause harm, which has, which has never, you know, which has been an uphill fight for people trying to expose this. So no, it's not, it's not a new thing. But when you say, is it going to continue? I can assure you, it's not, because after COVID, we are not, we, we're going to have our eyes wide open, and we're not going to tolerate this anymore. Wow, that's that's the key to really start a parallel universe that that's rooted in science and compassion and evidence and not in, in power and greed. Uh, that's really the story. I mean, let me just close with this, Dr. Laurie. Um, do you, it's hard, no one could ever put a number and look back, but I'll just take the United States' numbers because I'm not so familiar with England and the others, but you know, we, we've hit 800,000 COVID deaths. And even if you believe there's somewhat of inflation of incidental deaths that really didn't die from it, okay, so it's six, 700,000. It's a terrible toll. Um, first year, it was mainly more people at the end of their life, probably within the last year or two. But increasingly this year, and according to you know Dr. Vandenbosch, there's a lot of evidence that the vaccine created, you know, vaccine-mediated viral enhancement in some form. And this was really bad, this replication of Delta. It killed a lot of people in their 50s and 60s that weren't even sick and didn't even have comorbidities, had a lot of life left to live. Um, out of that 800,000, had we had um, proactive multi-drug treatment, do you think we could have saved half? Yes, I do. I do think we would have saved half, but I think that's actually really not the issue. I think the issue is that the early treatment, uh, the failure to roll out early treatment has actually left the public in a very vulnerable position, in a very fearful position, and so they have been duped more or less into taking these gene-based injections without being fully informed 
And the real humanitarian crisis we are facing is not the lives, you know, that we have we've lost to COVID, but really the, the going forward, the 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 um, the sickness and suffering, and potential um, death that we are going to see on account of these vaccines. And I'm sorry to say. Uh, wow. That um, that this is this is really the pressing issue. So I would say let's not cry over spilt milk. Let's actually move forward and make plans on how to help people and ameliorate the suffering that we anticipate. Well, certainly we're going to count on research from your organization. Uh, you know what what's what's so beautiful about this is like a lot of Americans. You know, I never really traveled outside the country, never spoke to anyone else, and and this more than any other issue, it's it's just so beautiful. Um, doctors of all different backgrounds that have no other goal other than saving patients, leaving no man behind, have gotten together, you know, whether it's from Brazil and South Africa and all sorts of places, uh, just honing in on the same things rather than drinking out of the same uh, controlled trough. Uh, I do thank God as I speak to someone like you that I do live in America where at least it's decentralized. So we do have a couple of states we could evacuate to. Uh, in England, it's a little bit more centralized, so you don't have as many places to go. Um, so you really got to fight on this. We look forward to having you back in the, in the, in the new year. Uh, thank you for all your work and thank you for joining us today. Thanks very much, Daniel. Take care. So again, folks, that was Dr. Tess Laurie. Um, she's the lead author on several ivermectin studies, as well as the big Cochrane one that was very rigorous, that analyzed all of the randomized controlled trials and uh, published in the American Journal of Therapeutics. And it, uh, again, came out with that roughly three quarters uh, reduction in mortality. And again, that was just one drug. Um, certainly when you have, as we talked about earlier, several together. And, and by the way, just one, one thing that's interesting is that what we've seen this, uh, this year is that this year has brought out the best in humanity and the worst in humanity. You have people that are serial genocidal killers, and they're viewed as the greatest saviors of humanity, all the people you see on TV. And then there's people that are vilified. And you listen to someone like her. She's just a soft-spoken person. All these people, all they want to do is save lives. There's no other motive. They all had their careers destroyed, got no benefit from it. Um, you know, who are you going to believe? Really, I mean, who are you going to believe? The people that are all hooked in with Wuhan. They're all hooked in with the drug companies. It all comes back in one big circle. Like I told you, Unitaid, which seems to be the organization behind what got Dr. Hill off of ivermectin, and they gave University of Liverpool that $40 million grant. The the, the executive chair is, again, uh, this Minister Marisol Terrain. Uh, she was, she was, there's a picture of her from, I think, 2018 inaugurating one of the Wuhan Institute's uh, new labs. It, it is it is insane, their circuitous cycle of genocide. And like I said, this issue is really the palladium of all liberty. As to, to bastardize Justice Joseph's story's quote about the Second Amendment about um, gun rights, I would say gun rights is no longer. It's important to have a gun to protect yourself from criminals. It's not the palladium of, of liberty. It's medical freedom. That is really what it is going forward. I mean— you know, it is unbelievable. Like she said, we lost hundreds of thousands of people from COVID because they created it, enhanced it, and blocked the treatment of it. But, I mean, the, the vaccine thing is crazy. 
when you understand the autoimmune problems and we're already seeing these mysterious viruses and, and ailments and what is it going to do to people, the cancers, I mean, this is really bad. And especially the people that are just doped on it like heroin now getting four shots. I mean, what's that going to do to them? Um, the microclotting that's probably going to come out over the years. What's that going to what's that going to do to people? So that that's why I've committed so much time to this and really ended out the year on this. But what it's demonstrated is that we're creating a new movement. It's international. It crosses all sorts of demographic lines. It really crosses ideological lines. You know, now uh, RFK Jr. is a greater ally to us than than people we thought were conservative, but are you know uh, some of these guys on Twitter are like shaming us. You know, I don't, I hate mandates, but what's what's your problem? They've done no time researching any of this. All they do is look at the superficial politics. Oh, this is ewy to look like you're anti-vax. All they care about is their image. And, and, and you know, I thank you all for such a terrific year. So many of you have turned on to me just for COVID. But you understand, my commitment to you is I will do this on every issue and I have. And those of you who are with me, I will dog an issue to the gates of hell. I'll, I will research it like nobody researches it. I'll bring on the best guests. I'll give you the best analysis. Um, that I don't make a ton of money doing this, um, really just enough to earn a living. Unlike most most people, I don't, you know, particularly enjoy politics. I do it because I want to make a difference, and that's my commitment. I'm gonna do this, and I never dreamt of getting involved in the treatments and everything. But to me, that was the most pressing issue. We had to get to the bottom of that to save lives. We had to get to the bottom of of the problem with the injections and what to do and what not to do, and give people the proper informed consent. And what I want to do in the coming year is take this to the next level and find what are some policy ways we could go and evacuate ourselves from the medical cartel and have some of these clinics like Dr. Molly James and Dr. Henson to uh, you know do this on other issues. Because I, I could assure you, this is not the first rodeo show. It's not the first thing we were lied to. It was just the most apparent and impactful because it was a contrived and artificially made pandemic with a bioweapon. So you see people dropping dead very quickly in, in one year. Uh, but, but you know, likely with cancer, heart disease, many things, th there's, there's better research out there. And there's things that we probably are using that are problematic that are only used because of the power sources behind them. The free market would have never dictated it. And we, we got to find a way to empower those people. Um, as, as I'm talking now, and I'm, I'm going a little longer because I know we're going to be away from each other for two weeks, and I'm going to miss you all. I hope you miss me. So we'll give you a little bit more time today. Um, the, the Florida governor has announced prophylaxis, uh, the new AstraZeneca, um, and that is big pharma, but the monoclonals appear to work. Um, I wish they would you know, do a little bit more to encourage the broader treatment, but the monoclonals have worked very well for, for the Delta, and this is going to prophylax. So all these seniors that are stuck with a shot that's probably going to take years off their life if it hasn't already killed them, which a lot of them it has, and we're not reporting it, but we see it with the excess mortality. The excess mortality of seniors is way beyond what it was last year when we had the wipeout from COVID. Now, a lot of them died from COVID because the shots didn't work. But if you add the numbers, it does not account. Again, there's a 71% increase in excess mortality over last year. 
and last year was a slaughterhouse. We know exactly where that's coming from. But those who didn't get COVID yet, COVID is a big problem for them. So what's the answer? He's the only governor who's addressing that. I want you to know we could have this easily in 20 other states. I want you guys to sign up for conaction.network. If you could be a team leader, I have enough people to form teams in every state. I need team leaders. I need an Oklahoma, Kansas, South Dakota, Montana, Mississippi. We could use a team. North Carolina, we could use a team. Kentucky, we could use a team. Arkansas, these are states we still need. And you know, other states we have, we're going to hit the ground running. Again, focusing on medical freedom, some other issues. Many states, it starts the week after New Year's. We have a very narrow window. Most important legislative sessions of our lifetime. The most important primary elections of our lifetime. People who are not clued into these issues, because it's not just these issues. What it exemplifies is it's not left or right. It's not conservative and liberal. These are, are meaningless terms. There is a genocidal global elite that will stop at nothing to not just take away our liberties, but literally take away our lives in, in multiple ways. I can promise you they have more pathogens waiting in store, and we got to have a way of dealing with this. We got to have a way of dealing with this. And uh, again, it's with a lot of reluctance that I leave you early because there's so much we left on the table. But again, you could always email me, dharwitz at blazemedia.com. Uh, or Daniel Hurwitz at startmail.com. Follow me at rmconservative on Twitter. And then the Rumble channel, I don't know how we came up with this name. I know it's a mouthful, but Hurwitz Citizen Sanctuary. Um, and that's what we're trying to create, a citizen sanctuary on Rumble. Um, hopefully starting Monday or so, I'll post videos. So if you subscribe, you'll get it into your inbox or email and you'll be able to see my quick video updates on what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing. Um, but, you know, if you want to follow the most important stories, I'm, I'm pretty prolific on Twitter, uh, at RMConservative. Um, I, I just want to end off the year, and I think it's very apropos in the spirit of the year. A, a lot of people in this country will have family members who are in the grave and not with us. They, they, they won't be celebrating with the family for Christmas. And again, we talked yesterday about the excess mortality. You can't deny that. It is, it is out of control. Um, you know, l l let's just go with the 800,000 COVID deaths. Maybe you say it's 700,000. Probably three, two fifty, three hundred thousand vaccine deaths by now will take you to a million, and then God knows how many lockdown deaths. And you look at the Maryland Department of Health in my state just put out a report: twenty percent of all children in the state of Maryland contemplated suicide during the pandemic. I, I, I don't think you can un fully imagine. What comes along with that? Oh, the pandemic's over, so then, okay, it's back to normal. No. The systemic, behavioral, developmental, emotional, and mental and physical 
damage that that does. That is like a nuclear bomb on civilization for generations to come. A rising generation to grow up with that. The drug overdoses, over 100,000. What they have done is a holocaust that is unimaginable, which is why, as passionate as I am about so many public policy issues, I cannot get beyond this issue because everything flows from this. And until we solve not just the immediate symptoms, but systemically what caused this and what will continue to cause this, nothing else matters. But on the flip side, as you have people that have done everything they can to kill as many people in as many ways, you have people that have done everything they can to save as many people as possible. Now, I'm reluctant to put out a list because I'm not going to remember, and there's tons of them. And we obviously thank Dr. Ryan Cole, Molly James, Dan Stock, um, you know Robert Malone, Richard Urso, Peter McCullough, certainly Peter McCullough gave up his whole career uh, to, to tell the truth. And, you know, Dr. Zelenko, so many, so many others. Uh, you know, again, I just, I'm going to have a brain freeze and I already do. There's, there's several dozen others that are very important. But just for my own personal uh, purpose and for the purpose of probably several hundred people in this audience, I want to announce in my own way because he'll, he would hate me doing this and he'll never get credit and he's had his career messed up because of it. But this is a man who deserves a Congressional Medal of Honor and every American should know his name. That's Dr. Eric Henson, the head neck surgeon ENT, Lone Star ENT is his website uh, in Palestine, Texas. He might possibly be the most righteous human being I have ever met in my life. And again, he would hate me saying this, but I, 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 I have to get this off my chest. Um, his generosity, his compassion is just th – there are people who will be at the Christmas family table this year because of him. Um, you know, you have a lot of tele telehealth. A lot of people have done great jobs. Um, they charge, and that's their right because they're, they're it's coming out of their practice. This man, I've called him up Thanksgiving night. I've called him up in middle of surgeries at the OR with people that got into the pulmonary phase and, and they needed it. Often a friend of a friend of mine that certainly he never knew, certainly is not a patient of his, and every one of them he treated for free. It's taken a toll on his practice. Half his time is spent on that, both people coming in person who live in the area um, with their sats in the 70s sometimes, and he turns them around, or you know, obviously the people of the phone. And then you could imagine, if I send 100 people to him, you could imagine all their friends and relatives, when they get into trouble, guess who they're going to be calling? Um in some cases, I could tell you that because of the gouging and the supply problems and the black market, you know, the ivermectin, the course you need to take, winds up adding up, and then some other drugs. He has paid for it out of his pocket. He has certainly paid for oxygen out of his pocket, the vitamin C infusions out of his pocket. Um, 
Unfortunately, the bank account is not up yet, but we're going to put a give, send, go crowdsourcing page up. And so watch for my video on this, hopefully next week, uh, the Hope Clinic. And it's not to even reimburse him, you know, to pay him, which he should be paid for this, but it's not even that. It's just so we could fund. Um, we want to get a hyperbaric oxygen chamber because that's one of the treatments, um, and maybe another ozone uh, uh, machine and, you know, more oxygen and medications and supplies so he could better treat more people, more nurses to multiply um, his ability both in person and telehealth. Um, th this man, it it's not normal what he's done for me. Um, and then I feel guilty, you know, calling him with so many freebies. And he's like, thank you for sending him my way. You look at these doctors that tell people go to hell. These doctors that put things that they know don't work and kill people and block things they know do work. And these people collect endless paychecks, make so much money, lauded as big heroes. They get up on, on in their community. It is terrible the amount of people dying. I am saving lives every day. And people like Henson now have a blight on their record for not wearing a mask last year. Thank you, Greg Abbott, and your pathetic orders and they're left with less money Pierre Corey lost three jobs, Paul Merrick lost his job Molly James lost her job they gave it all up to treat, but again Dr. Hansen is just a level that is almost not human, the guy is almost like an angel from heaven um, you know as one mother of one of his recent patients that I sent email me like and the guy not only that he called back to see how she was doing and how it was you know proceeding to see if he needed you know what he needed to do like that reminded me of the old days and again this wasn't he didn't he this wasn't his patient like that's the thing because one thing you do it for your patients and it's one thing if you're a prime he's not a primary care doctor he's a specialist he does ENT Head, neck, cancer surgery, and facial plastics. There's a lot of money in plastic surgery. He he has lost business because of the freebies. I I I I have to get that out to people, um, and I'm not going to tell him I'm saying this. Hopefully, he won't listen to this show. He'll be very embarrassed from it. I don't know. Um, that's the type of guy he is. He likes doing things quietly. Um. It's that type of kind-heartedness and initiative that we're going to need to take back our country. Because it's not enough to tread water. It's not enough to do what's right and just to avoid doing what's wrong. In order to make up for the SOBs and the wicked that have taken down this country, that have destroyed lives, destroyed our economy, destroyed everything that we've grown up with. You're going to need people to compensate with equal and opposing force, to use their God-given free will to do righteousness. And again, I'm not saying people shouldn't charge for medical care. You know, different people, you know, not everyone could do that. It's not normal. The important thing is to is to offer uh, you know, paid care and people certainly would be willing to pay. And, and I do, I really, I feel bad that he's done so much for free, but he doesn't even feel bad about it. Um, almost like the, 
iconic final scene in Schindler's List, the guy who you know saved so many people in the Holocaust, you know where he breaks down, crying that you know if I only could have saved more people, and that's um, you know for my part, my only regret is that I didn't get into this soon soon enough, but. I could say that once we did see the ADE and the enhancement in July, I, I really did get on it as soon as I could. Uh, to the extent that we were fooled, you know, earlier, it really wasn't our fault. It was because we were too trusting um, in the establishment and didn't realize just how evil it was, and um, how much this was a bioweapon and how much uh, a, a leaky vaccine could really make things worse. And you know, to, to get ahead of this, we, we, we were talking about treatments for months before, but, you know, I didn't have that sense of urgency and give people the wherewithal and to note that even younger people need to, to get the treatment. Um, it, it's one of, one of my proudest moments in my life. Um, but again, I'm not a doctor. I, I, I didn't do anything. It's, it's, a, it's having a couple people and, and Dr. Henson in the lead where I could call them up at a minute's notice and get people, you know, people call me up and thank me. Oh, you saved my life. Um, one, one woman who was pregnant needed treatment. She named her son, Daniel. I'm like, why the heck didn't you name him Eric? Unless you like the name Daniel better. But, uh, you know, he's the one who did, you know, Eric's the one who did everything, not me. But, um, you know, Elon Musk was the time magazine man of the year. Well, Dr. Eric Henson is my man of the year. He's our man of the year. And, in 2022, you and I, all of us, need to be the men of the year. We need to all stand up, whether it's the private sector, whether it's our schools, whether it's our NGOs, our workplace, and then certainly the fight at the county, state governments, both in the legislative sessions in raising awareness and lobbying and fighting and shaming and helping and exposing and uh, championing, championing the good guys and their legislation and obviously working primaries uh, we, we're going to have our year cut out for us. Um, this is going to have to be the year of the counterattack. Because if we don't do it now, we're lost. That is for sure. Uh, there's no question about that. We have to create our sanctuary. Um, and ultimately, everything needs God's uh, intervention. Uh, but we have to use our free will for righteous purposes that are deserving of God's uh, bounty um, it appears what is going on with this Omicron, that it is literally a God-given vaccine. Um, we, we pray to God. We don't, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve your countenance. Um, but, but we have no choice. We, we have nowhere to turn. We have nowhere to turn our, our Lord. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't know where to turn. We have no power. We have no money. They control everything. Too many people have died. It's enough. It's enough. Only you could end this pandemic that was started by wicked men. Only you can help guide us and give us that courage, that acumen, that success in fighting for godly values, for human dignity, for human rights and liberty. Please, you're the only Lord we have. Ultimately, there's no faith in any one therapeutic or any therapeutic at all. It's, it's God's um, blessing to put things in the world and for us to discover them and keep up and intensify our prayers to heal the sick, to free the imprisoned, both those who are imprisoned in mind 
and spirit and body. Like I said, I'm not going to abandon you. We'll, I'll be working almost every day the next two weeks. Our written content at Rumble, our videos, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary. Thank you for making this year so terrific, even during a time of tragedy. And let's turn this around from darkness to light in this upcoming new year on behalf of our team here at, at The Blaze. God bless you all. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll see you all on the other side.